Alright troops and welcome to another episode of the Flip the Mindset podcast. A platform of hope for people struggling with the pressures of modern day society. Hope that we can get back from the darkest of places. First of all I want to thank every single one of you guys for your support and following the channel, sharing, subscribing. It means the world to not just me but everyone who watches and listens to this podcast for hope, inspiration, motivation and to feel part of something bigger. Flip the Mindset movement has gave hope to thousands and with a big year coming, I really do appreciate your support. So today's guest is none other than Billy Vincent. Billy Vincent was the star of Married at First Sight Australia's season 6. Viewers all over the world fell in love with his incredible attitude to life and for just being Billy. I really enjoyed this chat over Zoom with my co-host Dylan McGowan. I hope you enjoy it too. Please leave a comment, like, subscribe and share on your social media. Thanks for the support, guys. Flip the Mindset. Hello, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Flip the Mindset podcast. This is episode 16. I am joined today by my co-host, Dylan McGowan, and our guest today, special guest today, is none other than Married at First Sight Australia's Billy Vincent. What episode, what series was it, Billy? Season six. Season yeah, six. the notorious season six. It was crazy. It was a mental, was crazy. It was a mental <laughs> series, mate. Do you know what? Actually, I hate reality TV. I hate it. I've said this before in another podcast. I despise it, but my missus loves it, right? And uh, she was sitting watching, I think I, it was the second episode of series six or the third, whatever one you, you, you were appearing on. And um, I, I was gripped after that. I was totally gripped. I made her watch. <laughs> The first one again, and then we watched the whole season. It's probably the only reality TV I've sat and watched since since we all used to watch the Kardashians when we were 15, just to watch Kim Kardashian, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yes, mate. I just, I just, we're just going to ask you about about um, life in in Australia. We're going to ask you about um, the show, um, your career, personally and professionally, and just going to have a laugh. So without further ado, I want to know, let's know a bit about you, where you grew up, um, where you're from, where you grew up, and what was life like for you? I grew up in a small coastal town called Pambula, which is an hour from the Victorian border if you're in Australia. It's in New South Wales, quite a small town, very, very small town. Uh, very closed-minded kind of town. Uh, it's lovely, very, very beautiful place. And um, yeah, I went to Eden Marine Community High School there. And uh, look, um, it was it was it was a good experience. It was a beautiful spot to grow up in. But um, I definitely got out of there. Went to university uh, when I was eighteen, and I really haven't been back since. Right. So what was, so the small town, I grew up in a, you, we both grew up both, in a small yeah, town, so we both grew up in small yeah. towns. Um, me was down in Argyle on a town called Dunoon, and you grew up in Stirling. Stirling. Everyone knew each um, other as well. Yeah, everyone knows each other, you know, severely. <laughs> we wouldn't change it for the world. I mean, I love my hometown. I love the people. I love everything about it. It was just, it's just a tough place to grow up, you know. No one wants you to succeed out of the town. Well, they do want you to succeed, but there's all sorts of pressures on, on reaching out for a better kind of, not maybe a better, 
you know, more successful life. Um, Absolutely. Not more successful, like just an adventure. If you wanted to go and journey and, and, and adventure more beyond it, you're always mostly said, no, don't be doing that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but no, that was cool. So what did you get up to at school and stuff? Oh, in school, look, I uh, I put my head down till about year nine and then year 10. Um, I decided against all my mates' better better wishes to, to join the drama class. And, uh, yeah, they gave me absolute hell for it. The whole school gave me absolute hell. I think I was the only boy in, like, a female-dominated drama class, but I loved it. I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to go overseas, wanted to do all that. So, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was good. There's only one, I'll tell you a funny story. There was one reason why I chose Jack drama, right? So we had a teacher, Mr. Pearson, right? Pure dramatic guy, you know. And, and drama, we were in a fourth year here. So it's when you it's when you're about to choose your subjects for your last two years at school. Yeah. Yeah. And um I chose drama. No, no, this was earlier, sorry, it was second year when you were choosing your subjects to go into third year. And uh, I had a girlfriend at the time, and they used to, you know how the big curtains they use in drama? Well, there yep. used to be a big curtain near the wall, and me and my girlfriend, Jill, at the time, would go behind it and winch and all that, and, and all that kind of stuff, and just spend time eating food, <laughs> drinking cans of Coke, and Dr. Pearson would never, ever know. Mr. Pearson would never know. And we actually chose drama. Three weeks into that year of choosing drama, we split up, and the whole plan was fucked. <laughs> 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 you had it drama. all figured out. Yeah, I was terrible at acting, and it was just, oh, that was a tough year, man. You're doing stage choreography and all that madness, man. Oh. Yeah, that reminds me. Oh, look, I had my first girlfriend, and it was I was doing the same. I chose it for my year 10, 11, and 12, and she had the hardest time because everybody would give me a hard time. Like, all of her girlfriends were like, Billy's doing drama. He's definitely gay. I'm like, <laughs> oh. She had a more hard time. I'm very comfortable with myself. I couldn't give a fuck what people think of me, that type of thing. And especially back then, like, I have a big, like, shield on a barrier. Um, for her, I felt for her, hey, especially being young and that type of thing. But um, How old were you? I was 16, 15, 16. It was oh, a, that's a, a decision yeah. to choose drama, especially in Scotland. You would get, you would get, <laughs> and that's, that's the thing where we're going through, like, with men's mental health and stuff and mental health in general, what I, what I kind of, I'm an ambassador for and what I raise awareness for, we need to change that, you know? If you did choose oh, drama, you know, if you chose drama in Scotland in fifth and sixth year, you would get absolutely yeah. slaughtered. Um, yeah. So you would, well, if you were kind of, you know, it depends what kind of friend group you had yeah. and stuff like that. But would you have chose drama in fifth year? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Why you I, um, I was so lucky. I was one of the lucky people that had this fantastic group of male friends that um, I'd had since I was uh, in kindergarten, really. And um, we, we were so tight-knit uh, and we, we just challenged, like, masculinity rules. Like, we'd come up, give each other a hug. If we were having a shit day, look, mate, I'm having a really shit day. Help me out, share our feelings. That wasn't the norm at all. Like that, like, and they were big boys playing rugby, everything like that. That was, I was just very, very lucky. I had that safe space there. Other guys don't have that kind of safe space. So like we were a group. If I didn't have that group there, there was no drama going to be picked for me. Hey, like I didn't have that protection layer. You know, they'd give me a hard time about drama, but nobody else would give me a hard time about drama, you know? Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get yeah. it. Yeah, so you, you, they kind of ushered you through, through them last couple of years at school. That's cool, man. Oh, definitely. 
So pre pre the show, Married at First Sight, which you were a star of, what did you get up to for work? What was your social and friendship like, life like then? Oh, yeah, look, um, before the show, I don't know if many people know this, but I was looking after my mother, who's in remission from cancer. She had cancer at the time. So I was a personal trainer. I was quite a successful personal trainer and a uh, manager of a gym in Canela Bar, uh, which is just up the road from me now. And um, I gave all of that up. I also had a bad breakup at the time, so that helped me kind of give it up. But I moved back home with Mumsy, threw away the personal training business, the two grand a week. Um, and I was with her for two years, mending myself and mending her as well. Didn't go out on a date, had no female contact, hardly any social contact whatsoever. Mum's all better. I decide that I'm going to move back up to Byron Bay, start my personal training back up. and um, Within a week, I was on the show. So I moved, moved up, just got a room in Byron. And then a week later, I was on the show. I was just, I was vulnerable. It was, it was fantastic. It was just a mixture. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been a roller coaster. Because we know what happened in the show. You got, you got um, paired with Susie. What a horrible, awful human being she was, man. Oh, she was, yeah. She, she was Britain's most hated woman, I think, yeah. for a few months. Oh, definitely. And it was it was disgusting because I, I you know, I campaign a lot for men's mental health and stuff, and and um and and she's just the type of woman that we're trying to not have in society. You know, we're trying to teach these young women, and that's of oh, many young women look up to these shows, right, to the girls on these shows and copy them. And I thought yeah. it was that typical sign that we're seeing of women on TV being specifically awkward for the camera, awkward, horrible, and seeing things for clout and, and attention. Yeah. Trying to exploit other people, yeah. Trying to yeah. exploit other people. And it's seriously, seriously harming. And I think we really need to have a look at ourselves for this kind of this kind of TV, like Love Island and stuff like that, because it is created. I'm seeing, I'm a personal, a successful personal trainer too in Scotland. And um, I'm seeing girls in the gym do the exact same, act the same Absolutely. way. I'm seeing girls on nights out say the same awkward stuff to each other and awkward, horrible stuff on Instagram and stuff like that, copying these reality TV stars. It's just a shame. It is. It is. It was, uh, it was a good thing that Susie wasn't too good at it because uh, she drew a line in the sand. What I loved about it was she took it way too far and it exploded the whole mess of this shitty situation with females that um, you, you can't do that. Abuse can go both ways. You took the abuse way too far. Yeah. And um, she got called out mostly by females, mm-hmm. you know, mostly by females. And I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. I think that uh, a lot of the girls on that show, uh, like Martha and uh, Inez and everything like that, oh, man, they are not anybody to be looked up to whatsoever. And I'm just... I was just a bit upset with the network for choosing such flawed kind of individuals. I know I'm laying into them now and everything like that. They do have redeeming qualities, but um, yeah. Just horrible good. people they choose. They choose these horrible people because they know that, and the people who are maybe get big voids in their life, and, and maybe they're not horrible, but maybe they've just got voids in their life and they're trying to fill them. They go on this show and all they want to do is make a name for themselves. Some girls won't go on the show, and this has been told after the show, they go on the show too. Cause controversy because yeah. yeah. they know oh, that 100%. they're famous. 
they know that gets them pure famous. And people, some people love watching nasty people on TV because it makes them that's, feel better. That's narcissism. That's uh, female narcissism. You see yeah. a lot of male narcissism as well. We're just talking about female narcissism yeah. right now. Is like any any attention is kind of good attention, and uh, then they watch themselves back and they get a negative feedback from the audience, and they're like, oh oh shit, look. I'm not getting perceived the way that I thought that I was going to get perceived as cool and edgy. And um, yeah, bad editing. They just claim bad editing. I'm like, <laughs> no, you just didn't like the outcome of what The chef started to be, they were trying to paint you as this and get them on the girl's side. And the chef started to be, whoa, Billy's this really nice guy. Billy's like, the perfect boyfriend. He's humble. He's down earth. He's caring. He talks about his feelings. He gets emotional, which is what every man does. There's no man yeah. who doesn't. And he's getting. And if there was any 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 time an advert for male suicide, you know, through turmoil relationships, that was one of them. She was tearing you apart step by step, Definitely. and she wasn't remorseful for it. She was playing on it. She was leaving you in a situation, you know. A man who maybe wasn't as strong as you, Billy, would have took his own life, you know, or could have took his own life. 110%. I completely, completely agree. And um, look, there was no love lost with Susie. I was just being a gentleman, treating her the way that I would like to be treated. If I was in a committed, I've never been in an abusive relationship like that. I've never been, but I've heard so much about these abusive relationships that do involve women being the abusers. And uh, if I was in a more vulnerable state, if I was in love with this person, you know, like completely infatuated with this person, who, who knows what could have happened? You know, I can take from Susie, this, this, this woman, <laughs> that's a bit of a joke, saying that I have no balls and everything like that. What if it was somebody that I actually love, you know? Yeah. I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't imagine yeah. it. And I, I hear over the so many people reach out to me and just say, I've been in this kind of abusive relationship and uh, it was the exact same thing as you were going through. I'm like, no, it wasn't. No, you've got it a hundred times harder than me, you know? Yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah. You would be in love, you weren't. So you had that kind of, you know, that net of not being so trapped in that you could have turned your life upside down. Yeah, look, look, I wasn't completely naive about what was going on whatsoever. They say, oh, one of the uh, experts says at my wedding that uh, I don't... Uh, really perceive the things that are going around. I just like to see the things that I like to see. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is completely not true. <laughs> mm -hmm. I knew exactly what was going on. I knew the tides turned and everything like that. My thing is, look, I would do it for my family and uh, just be the best kind of person that I can be, you know? And that, I, I thought that showed. I really yeah, thought that yeah. showed. I was really, I was, I, was, I was ashamed to be human watching that. Um, mm. and it goes it both uncomfortable. Ways. We're not just slating women or anything no. here. It goes both ways. We've seen in the show with Sam how mental he was. Oh. Sam's coming on the show. Um, well, he, he he was supposed to come on the show. Then a lot of stuff happened, and it, and it <laughs> on the show. You might bail on you. <laughs> yeah. Um. So um. So, but but yeah. So we've seen it both ways and stuff like that. But this particular one having you on, um, the particular actions of Susie, I think. Is it the parents? Because we've seen our dad come on and really that to me, I was like, well, that's a dad. So no wonder she's like that. But then was there nicer clips of their dad? Was her dad a wee bit fair but couldn't see through the goggles or? Yeah, he uh, he knew exactly what she was like. I actually, look, I didn't like the way that he came up to me. If he actually came up to me in a pub like that, 
um, things would be a bit different. It was my wedding. You, you come up to me and you tap me on the shoulder and you say that I'm not a man. <laughs> yeah, I like, you're, I'm, I'm just going to turn away from you. <laughs> but I had to sit there and I had to bear it. So he was quite crude like that. He's obviously got his um, views on masculinity, which I strongly disagree with. But he was being honest with me. He was he, he basically being honest with me. He's basically the opposite of what we're trying to teach young men right now. Oh, 100%. I'm just thank the only reason I'm thankful to him is he told it to me straight. He was just a fuckwit about it. Sorry, can I swear? Yes. <laughs> he was just a complete and utter, utter cock. Like, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> this tall. I'm like looking down at him and he's tapping me on the shoulder saying, You're not a man. I'm like, mate, I could cry right here. I'd still be a man. No, what, yeah, no, what, what, what is a man? What is a man? What is a man? What's your definition of a man? And I think that's why people relate to me so much. I'm a big, muscly guy. You know, tough. I can handle myself. Yeah. But emotions. I'm emotional. I cry a lot of days. I cry probably four times yeah. a week because of my mental that's health. Amazing. You know, that's what is yeah. a man? A man's obviously, for me, you know, you've got to stick to your morals, be true to yourself, help people, be loving, care. Try your hardest, you know, you know, be passionate, you know, all the be things. Be emotionally open. I know yeah. that sounds so soapy. Be emotionally open, you know. Absolutely. Can I just ask? And understanding. Can on that moment when he tapped you in the shoulder and he said that to you, what did, at that time, how did you feel? Uh, I felt extremely angry because it took me straight back to high school. It took me back to high school, being called a fag, with brushing my hair. <laughs> wearing what the fuck I want, you know, um, that took me back to the small town. And it's, it just, I just felt so cornered that I could not get out of that particular situation that I've had Australia watching me right there. And I have a binding contract as well. I'm just like, how could I be, well, how did I put myself in this situation that I'm here with this hillbilly fucking European <laughs> getting, getting told, like everything that I've strived and I've talked to my young male clients about and I'm getting fucking drilled um, and I'm and I'm copying it, you know, I'm not reacting. And it's just like I've worked so hard to like to counsel young men and everything like that and I'm getting victimised right here and I can't do anything about it, you know, without headbutting somebody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I would, you know, I'd, I'd, I'm, I'm not for fighting and violence, man, but I knocked them straight out, man. So. I hate, oh, yeah. Well, look, I, I'm not for violence or anything like that, but, like, sometimes things do get taken a little bit too far, and I never would have. <laughs> I, 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 I just couldn't exit that situation. So, yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah, I think what was good about it as well, though, is how you came across and how you handled the situation and, and you stayed true to yourself. Um, Absolutely. I think quite easily there, what you could do is you could go into that being somebody you're not and pretend to be this like tough Absolutely. guy. But you stayed true to yourself and that was a beautiful thing about it all. Yeah, look, I tried to use my, to, to use a bit of humour and I, I don't know if it really came through on the show too much, but um, I'm very, very sarcastic. I'm like, yes, dear, no, dear. This and that and that. I'm not sure if people took that as um. It should have been taken as sarcasm because I'm like, <laughs> I couldn't actually 
physically process it without sometimes just cringing and laughing. So I don't, I don't think you got the obviously when I edit a lot of that out. Yeah. I don't think you got the chance to even show your personality enough because they were just. Oh, it was just me sad. It was just me cranky and angry and yeah. sad. I, I I feel so ripped off by the show that um that I couldn't actually show my true personality, you know, and I couldn't um uh, yeah I couldn't <laughs> be a part of the dinner parties, a positive good part of the dinner parties, be a bit of a larrikin mm-hmm. and all of that. Like that's the one thing that I regret about the show, you know, other what? than a few other. Do you think, not the one thing, the, the one of, the one of, the one of, do you think the show is built for, you know, to meet turmoil and drama? Do you think that's what it's built for? It didn't start off that way. Look, I'm going to be complete. I'll come back to the question. I never watched the show before I was on it. I ne- never, I never watched reality TV. I didn't even know what Married at First Sight was until I was on it. I thought I was on daytime trash TV and that uh, it would be shown at like 10 in the morning and old grandmas would watch it. And uh, little did I know it was number one rated in Australia. And, um, <laughs> yeah, um, so, yeah, back to your question. What was your question again? Sorry, I got on a tangent. <laughs> Do you think the, the show was built to cause drama and turmoil in people's, life, people's lives? Yes. Yeah. So I haven't watched it before, but then I, I went back to the show. I, I re-watched a few of the previous seasons. It wasn't built for that. It's just what Australia reacted to. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they fed on it. Season five was when the, the cheating and the manipulation, I think, started to really, really take off and ratings went up and they just, like, kicked it in the gear. They're like, cash train, baby, let's go. <laughs> they, really, they really did do cash train. All the models went out the window, didn't it? Oh, all the integrity. I, I hope that people catch on, but they're not. <laughs> they love it. I think a lot of the Brits were. A lot of the yeah. Brits caught on straight away. We're not, we're not like that That clouded. With, you know what the Brits are like, especially the Scots, we're just like, no, nah, see through that, see through this. Absolutely, absolutely. A bit of moral compass, eh? Oh, I, can't, um, I can't watch the new seasons or anything like that. I, um, I don't distance myself from the show, what to say. The show's gave me so much. But um, I can't like stand by and watch people get manipulated. It just makes me really, really ill. Yeah, um, what we're trying to avoid in society, everything we were trying to avoid in society was there. You know, mm-hmm. people sticking oh, up for vicious people just because of their friend. You know, people manipulating each other, people really mm-hmm. damaging each other's mental health, people tearing each other's apart, people almost ripping each other's identity in half. It's, it's really it's alarming Busted. stuff, and all in the name of clout. Yeah, thousands, you know, millions of young teenagers would have been watching that all over the world. That's what really saddened me. Hey, that I was a part of it. Um, I went through a bit of a a down stage coming off the show and everything like that. Asking, well, what did I just contribute to? Um, like sitting at the dinner tables with wine being thrown and everything like that. I'd have a, had a few beers, you know. I just was asking myself, I don't belong here. I, I, I should have signed up for Love Island if I was on one of this kind of shit. Like, yeah, it was, it was hard. Um, Cam and Jules, I, they sat over the other side of the table from them, me and they were just like the only real 
kind of like leveling stable forces there, keeping me there. I walked out actually the first dinner party. I'm like, I'm out. I hate this. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't me. Um, I was so afraid of being edited badly. And a producer came up to me, he goes, Billy, you're such a lovely guy. This won't look good on you. I go, fuck you with your manipulation. This won't look good on me. No. Yeah. And I, I walked straight back in. This has actually come up and said that to you. Absolutely. This won't look good. This isn't part of your character, Billy. That's manipulation. That's bullying. And I'm like, they actually said it much cruder than that. Um, I had a couple of run-ins with a few, like, well, one producer in particular, just like the gaslighting that goes on. Hey, I went insane in my brain. Yeah, if you want what, me to go into what, what was a couple of the things that you said so people can understand? Look, um, on the honeymoon, when Susie was absolutely drilling me, completely drilling me, I went up to the producer and I go, because she was gaslighting me, saying that I'm like, I'm insane, I'm, uh, I'm crazy, I'm weird, I'm awkward, I'm uh, all this and that. And I'm like, I have, I have self-confidence. I've got a lot of self-esteem. I, it completely went out the window. I questioned everything about myself. Susie's like, you're a liar. You lie about this, you lie about that. And I, I'm like, I asked the producer, I go, is, is things not, things aren't right here with this relationship? Hey, things aren't right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a bad person, am I? And, and he goes, Billy, everything's fine in this relationship. You're the one that's not actually contributing or playing role, you know? Maybe <laughs> you should look at yourself. <laughs> and you know what? I look back on that and I... I took everything that they said and I took it to heart. That's why you see just an insecure shell of a man for a bit of that show. You know, it's because the reason why you weren't playing ball is because you went on as yourself, right? You went on as a, a you know, you went on as um, a normal, you went on as an honest, loyal kind of mm. person. You just went on and were yourself. You didn't fake, you didn't play fake, you didn't play ball with them as in fake it all and create more drama and not take it into heart and just not even fall. You actually went in to fall in love, as I, as I assume, you know? Yeah. And it's yeah. that, that I, I honestly feel that these producers and that, they've got to be held accountable for this. They have got to be held accountable. If not, jailed, you know, because it's damn right, it's damn right irresponsible and just disgraceful that they can be allowed to do this. And a few people are really damaged after it because they're binded into these contracts and then they're just used and abused. It, it will. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I will say that there were some lovely producers as well. Absolutely. Um, and cameramen. I, I remember asking one of the cameramen, I go, is she not like completely, like this is Susie going at me for touching one of her pillows or something like that. I move one of her pillows. And he goes, he goes, mate, he goes, he goes, what, what the fuck? And he goes, you know, I, like, I, I, I sat with him in the car on the way back from the, like, to break up with Susie when I walk out of the house. And they go, mate, this is all completely fucked. He goes, mate, I can't say anything to you, but. And I'm like, that's all I needed to know, man. Confirmation. Yeah, just to Yeah, know. I go, is this one of the worst that you've ever seen? He goes. Can I just ask something else? I, I think you basically answered it already, but something that I picked up what you were saying there when you said that after the show you were really low. Um, oh, and, yeah. And my question to that is, 
did you get any support after the show whatsoever from any anyone on the show? I did not. I actually got banned from media interviews. This is uh like this isn't confirmed or anything like that, but uh the psychologist called me up and uh Susie was getting all this kind of airtime to explain her point of view. And you know what? At that time, that infuriated me that she could explain herself and say it was editing and that. And I was I was getting like 25% of what she was getting. And I, look, I wanted a reward. Honestly, I felt like I deserved a reward for being on that show for a month with that woman. And uh, I, I didn't get like my, my chance to actually like show people that uh, I was a real person and I was happy and I was rebounded. Um, so they called me up and I'm like, look, like what's going on? Why is she go- like going on all these, all these shows and everything like that when she was an absolutely sociopath on there? And she, <laughs> I go, Where, where's mine? And I know that's kind of selfish, but for me at that time, I, I needed to feel justified like just like I, I could I had mine you know like I went through hell for three weeks with her I, I had my time to you know be happy and show everybody how that I'm a happy person and I'm okay you know so yeah. um yeah I was I was a bit like very very torn at that time so the the psychologist called me up I explained that to her and uh I got uh kind of she recommended to their like obviously she's just told the producer um, of the show, yeah he's too like he's too volatile, you know it's going to make the show look bad. Cutting from like all the the interviews and stuff from now on, because I'm damaged goods as no, Channel Nine likes to be good. You would have told yeah. the truth. Yeah, definitely. I think absolutely. Uh, like yeah, de- I definitely would. I would have said well, something. They want someone to say, oh, the show was this, it yeah. gave me this and that. Yes, there was some hard bits, but this and that. Can't thank the producers enough. Listen, these people are destroying people's lives. Yeah. I've, I've, I've thought about competing against it for years, and like, um, I really can't watch it. And I get drawn in, not to the show, I get drawn into you, I think. You know, I get drawn into to seeing everything I'm fighting against with men's mental health get ripped apart on a show. I get drawn into you, and you know, I fell in love with you in the show, and I was like, it wasn't the show, it was just watching what was unfolding in front of me. It was just a man getting, you need to be a man, this and that, with the dad on the shoulder, this and that. What? We need to sort, you know, a woman acting like that. That's It's just wrong. It's not right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? And it's so unspoken as well, this, uh, this kind of female kind of uh, abusive kind of behaviour. Look. I am completely, completely against like male. I, I, I see it every single day. I've seen it with past girlfriends, male kind of um, male dominating um, kind of behavior and everything like that. But um, little do people know, like it's nearly a 50 50, just this kind of emotional abuse that goes on, physical and emotional, you know, it goes of straight course. back to male. Yeah. Of course, we're against it. We're against, we just want people to be equal. We just want people to be treated with respect and equally. You know, it's, it oh, seems yeah. to be bashing men constantly for this and that and this and that. Mm. And it does go on in relationships this all the time. And I actually done a wee bit of digging. I know a lot of people who live in Australia. And um, I was asking them, is this is what it's like? And they were like, well, when you go to the kind of more upper class places, 
a lot of the women do act like that. It seems to be this oh, trait yeah. in Australia. And I was, and is that true? Yeah, because I've asked loads of people, and they're all like, it seems to be this trend that this kind of arrogant, really look down on you and kind of manipulate and take and, and and destroy you um, from within. And this seems to be a trend in the upper, more the upper class places, but the upper class Absolutely. bars, the upper class nightlife, and the upper class areas. I'm lucky. I uh, I come from a country town now. Uh, I love my town, and then I'm in Ballina. It's fantastic. But go to Sydney that type of thing, talk to women, especially when I was before the show and everything like that. It was kind of laughable, hey? I wouldn't go up and speak to a girl. Like, it's just, it's, yeah. That's exactly what one of my fans said. I would never go up and approach a girl. You know, you just get absolutely nah, fine. Nah. But listen, it, we, need, we need to get this clear. It's not every girl. It's not every woman. These are just... Definitely, definitely not. Seeing. It's definitely not every girl. It's not it's every the man. Culture. It's, it's the culture, mate. Specific on it's, a, on it's a culture that's going through, uh, like cultures go through young men. There's a there's this uh, this narcissistic, arrogant, toxic female culture that is going through. Yeah, as well as I think what we've chatted about it already, but I think with these types of shows that you've got these personas, so like the younger generation watching that think that's the norm and that's the way they want to be. So these shows are definitely not helping our society and our younger generations because not just young girls or and female, but guys as well. Um, mm. on Love Island and, and things like that. And, and we see things on the TV and we think that it's normal to speak down to a girl like that or vice versa. Uh, and because the, the producers want to have a good TV show and ratings and, and all that, at the end of the day, there's a person behind that. Um, and I think it's so damaging to society. Oh, absolutely. These people that go on and I, I say that they're narcissists and they're sociopaths, but like a lot of the time they're not. It's just like so attention hungry. And I've seen it now. I've been around it so much now. I've rubbed shoulders with these kind of people and they're, and they're friendly and I'm friends with them and everything. And they bottom out because when, when the clout goes, the attention goes, there's nothing there. And I've just like, I've seen the the drug abuse, the alcohol abuse. I can't say that I'm perfect, but if it's just, they're left with nothing. It's just onto the next attention kind of high. And uh, it just leads to depression, real depression. They cover it up. Wow. Yeah. I'm seeing that a lot in society here. It's all about attention. Everyone's attention. And there's nothing behind the attention. There's no personality. There's no structure. There's no there's no base. You know, we just... Mm. And it's not, well, let's be honest, it's not just that person's fault. There's loads of things that happen to get them there. You know, we can't just say, it's, you know, it's, it's that person's fault. Yes, they make the choices, but there's underlying factors. They, they get... Absolutely. They to go and have Absolutely. that... Absolutely. ...fill that void. I've, I admitted before in my podcast... I used to do it, fish for likes on Facebook at the time, you know, and mm. was attention. And see, when you took my attention away, there was nothing really left behind it. It feels, it feels good, doesn't it? It feels fucking amazing. At the time. I just got an injection from the uh, the UK viewers, you know, and uh, all of a sudden the attention started up again. They loved the you. Gone. Yeah. We all loved you. You've got to be mindful, though, like, because once the attention goes, it's 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 very lonely. It, it is very lonely. And uh, I found that from the Australian show. When the attention went, I'm like, I'm here stuck with my 
my problems that I got from the show. There's no buffer. There's no positive from it now. But like after I I said I I learned from that, you know, like so the UK viewership went up. It made me happy, but I'm like this is a very very empty happiness. But not every people, not everybody is that kind of mindful. Has that kind of insight that it, it's going to fade and it's going to hurt <laughs> once it's gone. And I'm not one to to chase for it. I I don't have the energy. You know, I'm lucky enough to not have that energy. I think <laughs> you, know what I mean? you can see with shows like um, obviously Married at First Sight. You've got Love Island's a big one for me, um, especially in the UK one. You've had a few suicides. Um, even Caroline Flack and stuff like that. Um, mm. Caroline's was a bit different because the media hung her out to dry and, and things like that. But nice. in regards to the, co- um, the the actual people coming on the show, you've explained that's what I think, that they were getting all this attention. But the next series that comes, these next bunch of people are coming in. So the ones from previously are forgotten about. And as you yeah. said, it's a lonely, dark place. Yeah, yeah, man. I don't want to laugh at them or anything like that or make fun, but I just like maths will make you block other seasons contestants because they will go after you so they can cling on to you for uh, the, to cling on for, you, for the clout, you know, so they can become friends with you uh, so they can grip onto that attention. And it, it happens. It happened to me. Like, yeah, it was weird. What happened? order to block all the free well they do it for you they automatically control your instagram and they block all the other contestants i thought it was hilarious because um <laughs> they block, oh, the they they block everyone <laughs> they block everyone <laughs> yep because they don't want uh, other contestants uh, uh feeding like you but at the same time i i know now that like i Contestants from my season had already added all these other people, asking them questions about how to make the clock tick, you know, how to get more attention. So that 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 drummed it up. They'd done their research. They it's it's, it's that, strategy. That, it blew that, my mind. Like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what it felt like, especially from that blonde girl. Was it Jess? Oh yeah. She yeah. was just playing games. She yeah. was just wanting to get famous, and it backfired. You know. Oh yeah, it, uh, but for Jessica, it definitely didn't in Australia. No, it it uh, it turned completely around. They did the reunion. I, I probably um, this is a spoiler, but they did a um, like a All Stars reunion, and uh, she got edited to be the new and improved Jessica. So the narrative got flipped on its head, and everything like that. And uh, everybody's now like Jessica. She's not that bad. Jessica's made a good living for herself off the show, actually, from being an absolute twat. It's just that, it blows. It does, it does show you that's yeah. what they seem to want because yeah. they and and it's it's weird because society who complain about it they 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 feel it yeah. watching it all the time. You know, you know they oh, yeah. want absolutely because it's almost as if humans that were just addicted to yeah. controversy and people getting slated and laughed at and. Yeah, it's a compulsion. It's uh, it's it it just takes everything back to the uh, the old Roman Colosseum, gladiators. It's just another form of it. It's an emotional form of gladiators. Little did I know, I was getting married to Spartacus. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's it's it's. How scripted was the show? Uh, for me. 
I found that I, because I'd done acting and everything like that, on I, I learned how to drop all the bullshit and just to not not play anybody but my my goofy self. For other people, when you put them in front of a camera, have you ever found when you put yourself in front of a camera that you'll put on an American accent? You know, <laughs> I can feel it yeah. in my head. For these people, like Susie, especially, you put a camera in front of her, she turns into Cruella. It just amplifies the shit they put on a performance. So I would say that a lot of people on the show script themselves. I know for a fact that a lot of um, people on the show script themselves. They uh, practice their lines beforehand. That's the, I don't know if the producers have anything to do with that. I don't think so. But the producers will tell you, especially me and Susie, because we didn't have much to talk about, what to talk about. That's cool. So I don't know if that's uh, the norm, but me and Susie's relationship was just very, very toxic from the get-go. It wasn't natural. I think they had to kind of force things along. No wonder she was giving you nothing. Oh, no, absolutely. Oh, look, um, I will, I'll, I'll put it out to you that she, she was in a relationship while she was on the show well, with me as okay. well. Okay. She, uh, she had a boyfriend back home. <laughs> I found that out um, on our honeymoon and I told the producer, he said I was crazy. So, she was yeah. just to make the, she she was, was it's weird because people do and, and people admit it. And we know in Britain, people go on to make a living for themselves. They know if they go on, Give as much clout and receive as much clout as possible. Be as horrible as possible. People start mm. to love them, you know, and then they come off the show and they're they're, they're a millionaire, you know. They've got a good, not yeah. a millionaire, but they've got a good amount of money in their wallet, and they've got modelling careers after it, and clothing oh, yeah. bands will come after them. Mm. But for me, that's everything that's wrong with society now. If you get someone who goes on a show and acts like that, and then a clothing brand takes them on, that clothing brand should be boycotted, you know. It's just not a yeah, good definitely, definitely. You know, I'm moaning about mental health constantly now. And unless we start doing something about it, there's no point. Well, like in my opinion, I know that this sounds quite dramatic, but I reckon there is going to be in the near future something's gonna happen. You know, something's gonna happen to a previous contestant of all reality TV shows like this that are very, very manipulative. It's happened in the UK, it's happened in the US. It's just uh it's just time really and it's yeah you keep going there'll be suicides and there's always going to be from these kind of shows and yeah and serious drama it's just it's it's a real shame you know because some people like yourself do see it as going on finding love enjoying it you know and and wanting to meet real people you know with real values real morals and and make something of it and just have a good time in the show but that doesn't sell telly no no, no. I was pretty lucky in the fact that it, it was so bad that it did kind of sell, you know, you know, the story did get out there. I was afraid that they were just going to sweep the whole experience under the rug and not show anybody the shit that I went through. I was very, very lucky that they didn't do that, you know? Yeah, very. Yeah. Do, you know do you know what I mean? Because my experience, even though it was horrific, um, it... There is an undivided opinion in Australia that what went on shouldn't have went on. There was a current affair about it, you know. Um, yeah, there was no there was no grey area that uh, look, oh, you know, Billy might have been taking it too seriously. He was too sensitive, you know. There was none of that. It was just she was toxic and absolutely horrible, and she 
was ashamed, like, like that behavior was to be ashamed of, you know? So. I tell you, Billy, like, this is the, the honest truth. I watched that, right? And while I was watching it, I don't know, people can comment in the video or, or mail in to me. Um, I went through a series of emotions and I, I, well, I, I don't well up a wee bit, but I get a wee bit heated when I think about it. I went through a series of emotions watching you on that season, right? I really did. I was angry. I was sad. I was frustrated that I couldn't come and help you. I was um, I was emotional at points. I was sad at the world. You know, I was, I was, you know, I was almost like, you know, I was turning to the, I would turn to my girlfriend and I was just like, I'm so disappointed. I'm so angry. I'm so why are people like this? You know, good TV that makes, yes. But this is people's life at the stake. This is your life at stake. And I was just yeah. I went through and I'm sure other people did maybe been abused in the past or treated like mm. that, or 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 any woman or man who who invests a lot of their time into mental health. Yeah making it better yeah. i think word i was quite i was thinking about it when i was at, at work you know i was thinking about it when i was in the gym i was like it's just wrong yeah look i went through such a struggle i'm all positivity about it now but honestly after the show i was extremely extremely angry and bitter not myself um just went through this huge emotional turmoil i'm like well billy you showed you showed Australia, what that that abuse goes both ways. But then it was like, well, why did I have to put myself through that? Why did they put me through that? Why did I have to be that sheep sent to that wolf? Why didn't anybody step in? Why wasn't I given a good proper counsellor? Why was I gaslighted by staff? Why this? Why that? You know, um, you know, why wasn't she psychologically tested a little bit more? You know, and was there any red flags there? Susie can't act. She can't act. And I, that's what I said to the psychologist. I go, how did you let, you do a screening process. It's it's very thorough. Yeah. How, how did you let that through? Yeah. And the thing was that Susie had been uh, auditioning for Love Island. She made it to the final round, got booted off. So they shoehorned her, her in to Married at First Sight. And I found that out. And it was just like, well, you set me up to fail. You set me up to fail Channel 9 on national TV. I failed well. I'm very, very proud of my fail. You know, I'd be happy if it didn't happen, you know? You know what's sad, Billy? That the only way that it would have been a change to how they screen the show and the screening and the producers, how they act and the psychologists and stuff and... The whole screening process was if there was a suicide, you know. Oh, yeah, look, it's got to be pushing the limits, and, and it's so unfortunate, is, isn't it? And how unfortunate and, and sad is that? Because there should be internal investigations into these shows, especially after that season. People mm. coming in and blasted the screening process and that. But I don't want to talk too much about it. I want to, because I'm giving too much time to it. I want to find out more about you. So what do you, what do you do day to day? What do you do day to day? What about sports you're interested in? What are you are you in have you invested time in organizations and any charity stuff? What 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 who is Billy Vincent? Who is Billy Vincent? <laughs> um, I wouldn't say a lost soul or anything like that, but uh I'm I'm very, very happy being uh normal <laughs> now. 
Um, I went back into uh, personal training startup straight after the show, um, and I got a lot of like unwanted attention uh, from clients. If you know what I mean, like I got a lot of female clients, that type of thing, who wanted weren't in it for the long haul. And you know what? I I really didn't want to be in a gym. My face was out there. I didn't want to be recognised. It was giving me anxiety. Um, so look, I went back to being a barista. Um, and like I'm way overqualified to be a barista, but I just wanted to have a bit of normality. So I was just behind a machine for six months, miserable, had a terrible boss, absolutely miserable. And um, at the same time, like all my money was going towards all these events that I was going to, all these charities and everything, uh, because I can't say no. I can't say no. And uh, like they all mean quite a lot to me, all these charities. And I was digging into my own pocket because I'll never take a dollar. Um, and uh, then a, another famous bloke, a comedian over here, he was reaching out, he reached out to me and everything like that. He goes, mate, you know, if you do too much charity, you'll become charity, you'll become a charity case. And um, I still do like the odd kind of charity thing. Um, last thing I did was I fought Mike, you know, Mike Gunner off the show. I boxed him. I trained in, uh, I trained in boxing for a month and a half. I've never hit that was a boxing thing. Yeah, yeah. We raised like 45 grand for men's mental health. So that was the last Amazing. thing. And then I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I that, <laughs> Absolutely love that. That's top notch, mate. How did it go? What happened? Did you win? Yeah, look, uh, I don't like to take a punch, but I do like to give one. And we uh, <laughs> we, um, we gave it to each other uh, in the ring. He fought fantastically. Um, I came out on top. I was very happy about that. He is like, he's like 10 years my senior, but, and he, uh, he gave me the eight count, mate. He nearly knocked me out. Fair and square. That's like the me, Kenny. Yeah. That's like, oh, he could knock me out, but I won, obviously. So. <laughs> Absolutely, because you, you got the heart, mate. And that's what I said before. I'm like, I'm going to go down swinging, mate. <laughs> the heart. So, yeah, it was a great experience. The training was uh, the hardest thing. I trained with an MMA fighter. And I think because uh, everybody thought I was soft from the show, that they'd, they'd give it to me a bit. And, you know, it was good. It was good. It was good to show people that I could... Uh, and um just kind of i didn't get over the whole association with maths or anything like that but it just kind of wanted to se separate myself that i'm a, a normal person so look um when i was like a full-time personal trainer had my own business um at that anytime fitness running the gym um i had a lot of clients on ndis which is a disability scheme like Lots of guys uh, on the spectrum, uh, autistic spectrum, and uh, working with them, training them was the most rewarding um, training that I that I did. And I just was like, I need to, I need to further this. This is so enriching for me. And um, I was in my miserable coffee job with a shitty boss, and um, I just one day I'm like, you know what, Billy, it's time to stop just trying to be trying to be normal. Let's uh, let's get on top of it. And I just applied for a disability um, disability job, and uh, since then I've excelled at it. I've been in it a year and a year and a month, or a year and two months now. I run a fitness class, and I run a drama class for the guys. Amazing. Um, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that blows my mind. Um, it's uh, it's it's good. I'm uh, really really proud of my work. So things are kind of pre pre-married at first sight, you know, everything's on track. It's good. Um, but at the same time, uh, I I still struggle uh with depression, anxiety, 
Um, been on and off medication here and there. Antidepressants really don't work for me. Um, felt sorry for myself quite a bit uh, in the past, like COVID year. I know that a lot of people have, you know, it hasn't been overly serious, but like indulging and drinking too much. Um, I've gotten on top of that, getting back to the gym, haven't gone in five months, was drinking craft beers every night. I'm like, it's okay to drink craft beers, mate. You're just tasting them. Yeah, right. It's making up miserable and everything. And I'm like, look, I can handle my mental health these days. I can handle the hangovers and everything like that, but I was just not, not excelling. So, um, yeah, the past month I've been trying to get everything back on track, you know? Yeah, for sure. What was, what was the, um, the medicine you were taking? So you don't like antidepressants? Yeah, it was a, um, SSRI. So it was a, it was a, it was a medication. Like I was feeling getting up in the morning, I was feeling nauseous every single morning and it wasn't a stomach ulcer. It was just like, it just, I think it was stress and anxiety. I love my job and everything like that, but I have to be the best at everything. You know, I'm a perfectionist. I need to, and I can't control everything that goes around me, especially in disability. And uh, the doctor thought that it was stress. So uh, he was like, man, I think that you should go on an SSRI. You know, you seem a little bit flat down. Yeah. Um, look, it, it was fantastic that I went and reached to a doctor, but um, I just needed to get myself moving. You know, I didn't need to be on SSRIs. They are fantastic for the right person. I just uh, not for me at this moment. What did you take? Uh, I took Effexor, a low dose of Effexor, which is quite quite a hard What's antidepressant. Uh, anti-D. It's what what is that? Is that is that is it get any other names? Uh, ooh, I was only on it for a month and a half before I was like, no, nah, I'm going to do this El Natural. But um, yeah, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, uh, it's not, not a heavy drug, you know, it, um, it cleared up the anxiety in the morning and everything like that. But I was finding after a week and a half, like the, uh, the, the sickness in my stomach had gone, but I didn't like listening to my music anymore, you know, right. very flat, yeah. very neutral. Yeah, yeah. I was on um, antidepressants for about five years and then I came mm. from and went natural for a while um, and I fought it all natural for a year. I was off them and then other parts of my life were kind of crumbling and stuff was happening and I felt yeah. the more pressure I put in myself and the more, the more turmoil that was happening, you know, it was coming in freeze, you know what I mean? You know, one thing happens, the next thing happens, a few months, something else happens. And then I had to go back on them. So I'm currently still on them. Oh, yeah. at a lower dose. But yeah, I agree. You, you go almost monotone, don't you? You just float in this place. Absolutely. You Look, there, there's, there's so many different kinds of drugs there that maybe maybe it wasn't the right one for me. But yes, definitely. I think you do that, to be honest. I think you're just so happy that you're monotone, that you're not right down, that you deal with it. Like when I watch football now, being an actual football and loving football all my life. When I watch it, I don't get like he's always like, you're not really, really excited. I'm not really excited yeah. for the game. I'm I'm happy in here, but I'm not mm-hmm. yeah. like, oh, I can't wait for the game, this and that. Whereas I used to be, I'm just constantly like, yeah, I'll watch the game and then through the game, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't get that pure I'm, feeling that he gets yeah. with it anymore. Absolutely. It's the same thing about like me listening to music and everything like that. I, I couldn't hit those highs and that. Type of thing, but look, 
it's ne never out of the question. If I hit that that rock rock bottom, um, it's definitely definitely go back to the doctor, try something else. You know, there's always there's always like like counselling, um, behavioural therapy, uh, other SSRIs that could work. You know, you never rule it out. You know, if you need help, you need help. You know, I'm not well, anti anti medication. Yeah, are you just doing it all natural now? Then getting moving, staying off the beer a wee bit. Absolutely, I think that was a lot to do with it. Was um, drinking too much? Yeah, definitely, definitely indulging too much in in having a having three beers a night, four beers a night. You know, having a few on the weekend, that type of thing just was not helping. And uh, yeah, not exercising for the last five months. Um, I just adopted this weird kind of mentality that uh. I, it's sometimes good not to really give a fuck, but um, that's not me, you know. I really need to like. I pre I, I love to present myself well, you know. It's not. It, it, some people call it vanity. I I need it for myself. I, I need. I thrive on it myself, you know. Do you think that came the depression anxiety came from the show? No, I have PTSD from a few things that happened to me in high school. I've got I got beaten up a few times. So, and I, I've been sucker punched in a few bars, especially when I was young, 18, 19. Um, so like quite bad, uh, like dental, dental work, that type of thing, um, like fractures. Uh, and like, it was really, really victimized where it was not really provoked. Um, and it's just like anxiety um, around like social anxiety, especially if other males are in the room, uh, going to a pub, whew, you know, uh, people crowding around if I'm not comfortable, you know, it just it just sets it off. That so that anxiety, you know, it will it will always kind of be an underlying part of me. You know, I, I work on it and everything like that. But um, yeah, it sucks. See, it's good to but, talk about it, and it does yeah, suck. I suffer yeah. from it myself. My anxiety is brutal. Remember running oh, out yeah. as I've told the story. I ran out of a busy supermarket because just people were closing in on me, and it was just like ten people walking down the aisle. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, ah, but it can, oh, mate. can yeah. you suffer anxiety. Not anxiety, but obviously my mental health was really bad. And I was just listening to you saying about your, the drinking stuff like that. I was in the mm. exact same place. Um, I spoke about that in my previous podcast when I was on about suicide. Um, so I was nine months without a drink. Um, on Monday just passed. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And, and what I totally get what you mean by that because you can go into a little rut and you feel sorry mm. for yourself. It's a lot of self-pity. And this is an action program that I put in. Um, and it's about having the ability to realise, right, the drink's not the answer. So if you put the drink down, you've got yourself and you're sitting in your own feelings, right, what can I do to make myself feel better? So you spoke about the antidepressants and and stuff like that can help certain people. But for you, it was about putting in the action. So the fact that you've identified that those couple of beers at, the, at night probably aren't helping is a, a great step, a massive step, um, and something that definitely helped me. Definitely, definitely. It's a hard thing as well when it's your uh, your comfort blanket there as well. It's like a big hug. You'll defend that drink. Yeah, I've, I've seen myself defend, defend my actions, and I'm, I would defend that drink. Yeah. No, I'm not. I don't have a problem. <laughs> having a pro is it, you think it's a problem? <laughs> I, only, I, only, I only have four every night. <laughs> Nothing. 
And look, look at you. Uh, yeah, I, found myself, I found myself doing that a little bit. And then I'm just like, Oh, my excuse was always, I still made work. So because I still made my work, I didn't see it as a problem. But yeah. my, my mindset was completely negative. Like everything, no matter what came my way, I was completely against the world and the world was against me. I'm 100% with you. Oh, look, I performed well today. Everything was done. Nothing was missed. So yeah. I don't have a problem. These are great. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm inside. I have anxiety. Anxiety is through the roof, you know. Mm-hmm. My adrenal glands are fucked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, actually, yeah. I'm actually helping a guy now who drinks a, a shitload before he's bed um, mm. and because he wakes more makes work the next day he doesn't think it's a problem it's just that same stage and it's it's um when you drink consistently every day you're just a lower person yeah. you're just low low self-esteem kind of you're not interested in much and um i think talking about it like we're doing now is just so so important i think it's it's got to be the thing none of this be a man rubbish do you know what i mean and just uh-huh. don't take just yeah. take shit off people, you know, and doesn't matter yeah. what happens to you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's mm. about talking to each other. Everyone's reasoning and everyone's opinions are valid. Questions should be asked. Yeah. Um, topics should be discussed. It's all valid, you know. Um, I think as well, I, I mentioned that on my popped a sto- um, story on my Instagram the other night, and it's like, Kenny's mentioned it before, it's like people don't, like they think being sad is like this bad thing. And it's like, it's okay to sometimes be sad. There's going to be times in your life where you're going to come across challenges and something's not going to go right for you. And it's just about mm. flipping the mindset like this and, and going, do you know what? It's okay, right? How am I going to deal with it? How am I going to make it better? How am I going to make the situation better? But we just see it as this, no, I can't be sad. And then we don't want to speak about no. it. And there we, is no sadness on, on yeah. social media. Like, no sadness. Yeah. It is just one excitement to the next excitement, highlight from highlight of people's lives. The polar opposite, yeah. isn't it? You know, you know what's not real life. What's on that Instagram? No. Polar opposite from what you're feeling when you yeah. when you put your phone down and you're oh. not working, you know. I've got to I've got to mute, I've got to mute some people. Hey. I think with social media as well, it's like I, I can remember like I would go for dinner with my mates and I would make sure I tagged the place I'm in and and it would be like all laughing and you joking. Were a teller, yeah, all all for sure. But I would go home, and in my room I would be on my own. It was like I was the saddest guy in the world. I was the saddest guy at that table, but I made it out as so I was the happiest. Absolutely, isn't it fucking exhausting? It's crazy. Exhausting. I tried it. I tried it for a few weeks with maps, doing stories, and I was exhausted yeah. trying to be entertaining. Tired. I'm not yeah. entertaining. Sorry, I'm. But the important thing is, is when you become comfortable with who you are and you're mm. out there, then it's so relaxing that you can just be you and you don't need to put anything on for sure. And that's yeah. what I'm at. I used to try and please the world and, and wanting, wanting to be liked by everyone and self-seek approval from others. But now it's like, I'm so happy within me that I don't care what anyone else has got to say about it. And once you get to that point, it's just it becomes life becomes so much easier and joyful 
and that's it. It's, and speaking out is the best thing you can do for yourself. Absolutely. We're wearing a face, as you say. So I, I, I still wear a, a positivity face all the time. And I have moments of what exactly what you're talking about where I can just, I'm, I'm not feeling good. I'm not feeling great. But I'm, I still struggle. I yeah. still struggle with that completely and it's it's um it's so liberating when you have those moments where you're like hey i'm just gonna just not be that talkative person trying to fill in silences i'm not feeling great today you know i it's and liberating it's not and, you know, yeah and it's okay to have one of those i'm buttons. working on it I'm, I'm definitely a work in progress you know i work on that every single day where i can be comfortable in not being not being off the walls, happy, <laughs> happy. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a working process yeah. as well. I think, I think we all are. I think we all are working yeah. process. I mean, um, it took me ages to, to differentiate from 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 how I felt from what I showed. You know, showing this constant barrage of happiness when really I was dying inside. Yeah. You know, and now I'm just comfortable with mm. having a sad day. If I'm having a sad two hours, absolutely Same. fine. You know, I'll have a great. I cry to myself. I'll ride it out. I'll then try and assess what's wrong, you know, and I'll then try and a big one, admit, need to admit what's happening. It's because I'm yeah. doing this, it's because I'm doing that, right? Okay, let's change a couple of drinks every night, you know, let's change the skip in the gym session all the time. Let's get back into it. And then nine times out of 10, I'll feel better. What I want to ask you is, do you think that your lifestyle changes, i.e. not drinking as much and going to the gym, do you think that's one of the, the main elements um to to better than your mental health personally bettering my personal uh my mental health personally uh yes absolutely uh like work working on a side hustle is good being creative i love playing video games same makes me uh that makes me happy love it It just yeah what games do you play what do i play i play a lot of cod yeah uh I play Apex Legends. Uh, I play Age of Empires on my computer, like the old RTS. <laughs> I, play, um, I play everything, mate. I've, I've got like the, the big screen um, I, Xbox yeah, Series X, latest and greatest. Um, 120 hertz screen. I, people don't know I'm a massive undercover. It's coming out now. It's all coming out now. Do you know why? And, uh, Oh, my whole social network, like my mates from around town, like I've got this great group group of mates where I am now. Um, yeah, yeah, just like through COVID, I reckon it was one of the saving graces. Hey? <laughs> it's, it's a great place yeah. to be. And people say this all the time, oh, gamers get a life, this and that. You just game all the time. I spoke to a gamer. I had a client, right? And he was a real gamer, competitive gamer, great guy. And I said to him, why do you game so much? And he goes... The world's not a very nice place, you know. And he says, people aren't very nice to me on there. He says, no one's not nice to me on a game. You know, he says, when he's in a game, it's an escape to another world. And he can just love, he loves, he's got the U, he's got the free screens, the PS5, the headsets, everything, you know. And he just loses himself in these other worlds, you know, these game worlds. He loses himself and just loves life there. He loves it there. And um, and people and the reality of what's going on with TV and all that, these reality TV show stuff, he can't handle that. So he loses his sale in games. And as you say, his four or five best friends are just people like-minded people, and they talk to each other every day on the games. Absolutely. One of my um, one of my mate, one of the guys at my wedding, I'd never met him before. 
He was my like an in person. He was my mate from Xbox. Wow. And he rocked up. I've never seen him in per- person before. Rocked up. <laughs> like the most humble, beautiful person online. He rocks up. He's got feet pierced everywhere. And he's a he's a tattooer. And he's just like the most softly gentle spoken man. And he's got the face tat. And I'm like, man, it's so good to see you in person, bro. I've been talking to you for four years. <laughs> crazy. And um <laughs> I don't think that uh, anybody on, like I was introducing all my guests to everybody. I don't think anybody on Susie's table could even comprehend what I was fucking talking about. I'm like, oh, this is my mate from Xbox Live. You know, he's okay. He's just like, and everything like that. And they're like, what? <laughs> oh my God. Her, her brother was doing man nothing, man. Her, was it Susie's brother? And she, he was always sitting there like that. Just oh, no, nah, that was one of her friends, eh? Um, yeah. No, nah, she. I don't think. No, nah, she's an only child like me. No, no, sorry. That was one of her mates. That was Jess's brother. Oh yeah, yeah, Jess's brother. Yeah, I was that was doing my nut, and he was like, "I don't like this guy." Blah blah blah. I was like, "That guy Jess was told me was nicer than a guy that you'll ever be." Do you know what I mean? And you're sitting. Yeah, like, oh, oh, I love, I love me. He's a oh, good value. He's such oh. a guy, and these, this, these kind of obnoxious people were just like, oh. It was just, it was just, it was just off-putting. Um, this is coming off maths and everything like that. But before maths, I was on Tinder and uh, yeah, I was talking to this girl and she seemed really, really lovely, really, really attractive and everything like that. And then it just completely fizzled out. I got ghosted, that type of thing, which was for the best because it was actually a, like a catfish. So um, then after the show, uh. I got on Tinder again. This is about a year ago now. Um, and I matched up with the same girl. I go, oh, how are you going? It's a long time, no talk. She goes, what are you talking about? We've never talked before. She goes, I have catfish accounts. <laughs> you were catfish, mate. <laughs> so I started talking to her. And, um, yeah, she, she was a real deal, of course, like in a relationship and everything like that now. So... <laughs> yeah oh, wow. that can happen to anybody really oh, but um man. luckily i didn't uh, send any compromising pictures or anything like that so yeah i'm sure you were all right you, you i'm all right <laughs> I, I don't think i have um i don't know no, I've been catfished. You've been ca- you, have you personally been catfished no i don't think so I yeah don't... there's a lot of profiles oh, out there yeah. where i'm, I'm yeah. getting catfished so I I did yeah. go with a not in a catfish. What what's the real meaning of catfish here? So like you, you, somebody saying you actually not them. So it's not them at all. No, no. I've been kind of subtly catfished on what we used to call fat catfish back in the Bebo days. Like like I met a girl who took all these kind of pictures and she used to say like like oh yeah she was into the gym fit and all that and she had a size she was talking about her body all the time she kept referring to being size six size eight and when i met her she was really really huge not that it made a difference to me but it was just like why would you sit and say like why yeah that's a, that's a, that's quite like a that's a semi-catfish like yeah, i was like, probably talking to a, i was probably talking to a dude <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, no, I've know. never, I've never had that, man. No. I've never had that, but that would be, that would be interesting, man. Dangerous, but interesting. You turned up, it was, it was your uncle mm. Sam or something. Like that. <laughs> so, on the flip the mindset podcast, as everyone knows, we always 
ask our guests to talk about a time they've been to a really dark place um, and how they got back from that place to where they're at now. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've been to, you know, the depths of darkness? And what's the toughest time in your life been so far? Um, definitely uh, the darkest time was around 20, 23, 24 years old. Uh, I was a cocktail barman in Noosa and, look, living the dream life for a young guy, um, drinking every night, you know, uh, like lots of girls, this and that. Um, never been so unhappy in my life. You know, I'd go down the beach in the morning, hungover with my friends. I hate all the guys on the, on the beach who had like a good body, healthy, you know, going out for breakfast with their missus and everything like that. And I was just like this horrible soul of a person. Like I'd had a one night stand the night before and like it didn't feel in any of my masculinity issues. And uh, yeah, it's just a very, very lost soul. And uh, like the drinking, it, it didn't help. And um, it just got to a point where um, I was kind of like masking insecurities about myself and about my past, what had happened to me in my past. PTSD with alcohol and drugs and it got to a point where um yeah I had a had a suicide attempt um it was absolutely horrible ended up in hospital uh I had a conversation with my mother um on the phone about something that happened uh in the past that don't want to get into it but um just a PTSD uh issue and you know she she couldn't help me and I'm like, well, if my mum can't help me and this alcohol that I'm drinking can't help me, and who can help me? I'm, I just can't, I can't deal with it. I'm too prideful to go to the doctor. I'm too prideful to tell anybody how bad I actually am feeling. Like I'm the life of the party. You know, Billy, you know, Billy's going to come up and he's going to be boisterous and do something stupid, make a fool of himself and be the life of the party. And I'm just like, just can't do it. I just bottomed out completely so I took a, um, a bottle of gin uh, and I uh, went into the closet and tried to hang myself and uh, passed out and uh, it wasn't successful. Um, a friend found me and uh, yeah, hospital visit. Um, they just charged me at 11 p.m. at night with no aftercare. Imagine that, just what? discharged me. And it, and it happened at like 5, 5 p.m. And it just like changed my whole opinion on mental health and stuff like that. Like I, I was in a bad, bad state, you know. They gave me a Valium and they're like, you can find your own way home, get a taxi. I've got no money. <laughs> well, you have your phone, don't have a phone. I'll give you a $25 voucher on your way. It just, I could have just gone straight back home and, and nick myself. Honestly, um, that was horrible. That was a very, very low point. And that's when I reached out and um, luckily I had a family um, nearby and they were just like, well, they're a couple of hours away. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to give up my house here and everything like that. I need help. I need to go to counselling. Like if you come into a house, can't drink, can't do this. I'm like, I'm completely ready for that. So I um, stayed with them, uh, got a job. A uh, job I hated. It wasn't glamorous or anything like that, but um, I just sucked up my pride, put my head down. And uh, one day I just crossed the Anytime Fitness up the road. And I'm like, you know what, fuck it. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get, I'm going to get fit, healthy, 
And uh, what led from there uh, was was really, really good. Um, I started up a TAFE um, little degree uh, in exercise um, and became a personal trainer and everything got, got better from there, you know. Um, I went to counselling, you know, faced a few demons and everything like that. And, um, yeah, it's, it's always a struggle, isn't it? But, um, you know, I, I, I came out of it quite, quite good. I feel quite kind of repaired. It's never going to happen again. Um, but I feel like I'm relatable now. People look at me, they're like, and that was a hard thing about it back then as well when I was 24. They look at you, they're like, you're a good-looking young dude. You get girls and everything like that. Why are you sad? Don't be stupid. <laughs> you're not sad, mate. Yeah, you can't be sad. Bullshit. Bull fucking shit. I'm the saddest person on fucking earth. You don't know. Um, so it was just like, yeah, wasn't getting taken seriously for being sad, you know. Um, but um, yeah, it was definitely it was definitely a journey, and um, I took the right steps there, and I was lucky that I had family and a support network there. They really um, gently. They weren't like checking my room and everything like that, but gently said, "Look, don't let us down." Or, yeah, we can't help you, you know? And, um, yeah, it was uh, – this was my aunt and my uncle. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for them, and uh, I didn't want to let them down, you know? So, yeah, I got my shit in gear. And, uh, yeah, I'm very, very proud of myself. Very, very proud of myself. You should be. Because uh, yeah. there, was, there was no – it was joined the 24 club for me there. And, uh, you know, it was glamorous for me in my head. I was extremely depressed, but I'm like, you know, go out and a hail a gunfire, you know, just, you know, living your best life. Oh, that's such a bad, bad point of view, especially uh, that's your only way of justifying it when you're just that sick. So, yeah, yeah. lay it on you. Well done, Matt. You should be very proud of yourself, extremely proud of yourself. Um, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of, we're all proud yeah. of each other. Thank you very much. It's brothers for brothers, isn't it? We need to. We really need to get this no. across to each other that we're all here for each other. We we need to all back each other. We're all we're all going through the same the same shit, you know. And we see these stories a lot with barmen or and people leading party life or people in call centers and stuff like that. And they'll mask their their poor mental health by partying and one yeah. night stands and and stuff like that. Men and women. And uh, they can almost lose themselves. It was the same with we had um, JP Gallagher on, um, who's a who's one of the best Thai boxing coaches in the world. He's, mm. he, he, he coaches the current European champion Nico Carrillo, and he was the same. He got lost in partying and all that as well when he just hated life. And um, yeah, so I want to I want to ask two questions. Did the counselling help? Ah. Uh... It was, uh, for me, it was a symbolic kind of gesture for myself because I think I've got myself, I'm, I'm too smart for any psychologist and everything like that. <laughs> for me, it was surrendering to a process, yeah. surrendering and facing all the guilt that I did have an issue that I couldn't fix and that I wasn't right. And that was very, very hard for me to face because I'm very, very prideful 
even though I was a drunken mess. Yeah, yeah. You know sure. I mean? It was great to have a talk and everything like that. You've got to get the right counsellor and everything. But yeah, it was definitely, it was, it was a, it was good. It was fantastic reaching out, you know, being vulnerable. And it's helped me be vulnerable to other people as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's, it's common this um submitting surrender, you know, and in, in the, my ebook that I'm writing, it's um is it number two of my process is acceptance, the same thing we need to accept mm. something wrong. Accept that we need to help, accept that we've been through this, which led to PTSD, which you know, being sedentary and stuff's led to depression and whatever, whatever. Um and acceptance is I think is a Huge matter, huge. It's a huge part of being a man is not accepting it, mate. They, they, this masculine and this being a man, you don't accept it. You don't have a fucking problem. They have a problem. I, think, I, think, I think the problem you've got is that there's too, too many people out there who are not willing at this moment in time to fully surrender. So myself, mm. you, Kenny as well, as we're that small population who have put their hands up and goes, I'm fucked. I, yeah. I genuinely fuck. I don't know where I'm going. And the best thing you can do, as I keep saying, is is just admit and defeat that you are fucked and that you, oh, need, yeah. to make, you need to make changes. And, and you said it, surrender. I surrender every single morning I get up. I surrender mm-hmm. because I can't do this myself. And no. I need a power greater than me. And my power greater than me is my the programme I do every day. It's not Alcohol Anonymous. It's like it's for drugs as well, because I used to take um, cocaine, but I surrender to that programme every single day because that's the only way I'm going to get better. I can't do this on my own. Um, I need mm-hmm. to tell my girlfriend how I really feel. Because at the moment you start keeping it to yourself, it's when the problems the rise and you start having more problems when you keep it to yourself. It sounds very easy. It's it, It's like... It's very easy to keep things to yourself. It yeah. doesn't take a lot of energy. It's extremely energy draining, but it doesn't. You, do you understand what I mean? Yeah. It's extremely damaging, but it's the easiest possible thing to do. It is so hard. It's so hard for me. So it was just like an impossible task at that time to reach for help. And I just want to show people that it's just the best, best possible thing that you to can flip do. that, flip that mindset. You know, yeah. that is not. Not impossible. No, absolutely. You know? well, I want to ask quite a personal question. Um, what was going through your mind in the moments leading up to putting that rope around your neck? Uh, sleep. I just wanted to go to sleep. Um, and I didn't want to deal with uh, the guilt the next day, you know, um, at the same time extreme extreme sad like sadness um because i was like i i like especially for my my family and everything like that it's a massive i was just like this is a massively massively selfish act um there was so many mixed 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 uh feelings a feeling of control as well having having a bit a bit of control finally i have control over what's going to happen next you know um yeah it was, yeah, sorrow. Um, I wouldn't say happiness. Uh, and then, yeah, just 
I, can't, I really, really can't explain. It's a, it, there's a lot of mixture in there. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't good. It yeah. wasn't good. Yeah. But, um, it was uh, very delusional, uh, very, very delusional kind of state that you've got to, got to be in. You're not thinking yeah. real. Yeah. No, I can't even... I can't relate to that to that person anymore. No. I can't. I couldn't relate to that person a couple of months later. It's just completely foreign, foreign world. Can I can I just ask as well? Because um, I, I I do this quite a lot. Is obviously now where you are at the, at the moment. Flip the mindset, and and I, lo- I love getting that in. By the way, flip the mindset. Absolutely, plug it. <laughs> you spoke about that there, but it's like when you look back and think thank god one thank god i'm not in that place anymore and but i just sometimes think like wow the amazing change within yourself that you've what you've overcame is a strength that is never going to be broken and never going to be because that internal strength that from where you are to where you are today is incredible and you need to give yourself credit do you do that as well Thank you very much. I, re- I appreciate it, guys. Thank you for giving me an actual safe space yeah. to talk about that. It doesn't really, doesn't come out, especially not on a, a podcast, you know. Listen, you've always got, you've always got this safe space. If you need yeah. it, see if you need us. needs us, you just call us because um, I'll certainly call you if I need some. <laughs> I love what you're doing. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it's about. But, um, but we're going to wrap up there, yeah. but... Well, I always just ask the question, what's next for Billy Vincent? What's next? Uh, getting more qualified in the disability uh, industry, uh, running more fitness classes, yeah. uh, being more inclusive uh, for people of all ability, um, getting a side hustle up. I don't know what it is yet, but it's yeah. going to be fantastic. Yeah, and, keep, um, keep it up. You know, uh, getting my face out there, I would love to do a program like you guys are doing. Uh, you know, for young men especially, is um, it's just it's just so much needed, especially in Australia. What you guys are doing is just it just hits a nail on the head, and um, I, I yeah, very very inspirational stuff. You know, whenever you whenever whenever you want on, you let us know. We'll do. We can collab. We can do something. Have you ever in Britain? You know, uh, what was that? Have you ever over in the UK? Oh yeah, I've got a few up. invites. <laughs> you're coming nowhere near my missus but um, <laughs> but you can uh, you can definitely go over and we can do some charity stuff and, oh, and stuff like that it's been an absolute pleasure um, yeah I've, I've really, really really enjoyed, enjoyed it. it I mean you're the perfect person to work with our disabled as well you know and uh, you're, you're going to shine man and uh, they're definitely lucky to have you and um, I just want to wish you the best of luck stay in touch all right, and, and keep shining, and, keep shining, yeah. my man. Keep shining. <laughs> Definitely, man. Thanks for coming on, Billy. Thank Mate, you. Thank you so much, gentlemen. It was fantastic. Good to see like-minded, mindful people. Guys, we'll be back on um, next week with another podcast for you.